Welcome to Peeves' Gabfest, a chapter-by-chapter, page-to-screen analysis of the Harry Potter series. I'm Sarah Day. I'm James. And I'm Meeks. And today, we are analyzing Chapter 7 of the Chamber of Secrets, Mudbloods and Murmurs. This is minutes 38-33 to about 48-15 of the film. Before we start gabbing, we want to give a quick spoiler warning. We will be using our vast knowledge of the Wizarding World to compare the page to the screen, and we may gab about moments that happen later in the books or the films. So, you've been warned, Dickle Firsties. Before we start, a message from the Daily Prophet. It's Quidditch season, and planning for faster, efficient hydration is essential. We don't want anyone falling off their brooms from dehydration. Liquid IV has you covered while you prep during wood speeches, power through the game, and recover in the common room afterwards. Liquid IV hydrates two times faster than water alone with three times the electrolytes of traditional potions. I have tried the grape... The sea berry and the cherry. And I would say sea berry and cherry are my absolute favorite. Mm-hmm. I'll have to try the cherry. I haven't tried that one yet. I was kind of like hoping that was like the best one. So I'm saving it for last. Because <laughs> compared to lemon lime, I was like, I'm not sure if like that would be like a disappointment or something. So I'm hoping it's really good. Because it's the last it one. It is really good. And <laughs> I like how like saturated the flavor is of liquid IV. Mm-hmm. Doesn't feel it's, all watery. It's right. It's very strong. Like the grape one was a really like powerful, like just flavor profile in like a big cup of water. Like I had I think it was like forty ounce bottle and it didn't feel like diluted or watery at all. It just was like flavor. Bam. We're like, whoa. Yes, I agree. And I love a good flavorful water. Yes, I do too. Well, and it's nice if something's really flavor packed, you know, just as is, because then you can always water it down per your taste rather than you having to like use double of the concentrate or something. Exactly. Well, one stick of liquid IV in 16 ounces of water hydrates you two times faster and more efficiently than any other potion and comes in 12 delicious, refreshing flavors to keep your hydration routine exciting. Made with premium ingredients and contains five essential vitamins, B3, B5, B6, B12, and vitamin C. Liquid IV is non-GMO and free from gluten, dairy, and soy. Liquid IV believes that Equitable access to clean and abundant water is the foundation of a healthier world and has partnered with leading organizations for innovative solutions to help communities protect both their water and their futures. To date, Liquid IV has donated over 39 million servings in 50 plus countries around the world. Get 20% off when you go to liquidiv.com and use code GABFEST to at checkout. That's 20% off anything you order when you shop Better Hydration today using promo code GABFEST at liquidiv.com. Welcome back, listeners. So I feel like, Meigs, you're going to really want to see 
this portion of the book that was cut from the film. And that is, um, let's say, a montage of Harry mm-hmm. dodging Colin and Lockhart through the next few days. Yeah. Obviously. <laughs> the first thing I wrote down was I want to see Harry explaining Quidditch to Creevy and more more of Creevy's scenes and stuff in general. Yeah, more Creevy. And I also have a flashback idea for this episode, too. Oh, let's hear it. Well, hold on. Let me decode my notes for a second. I wrote Q. Okay, that means Quidditch. Flashback to Sorcerer's Stone defeat Harry as Harry shifted guiltily. <laughs> what did I mean by that? I don't know. <laughs> oh, so when Oliver Wood is talking to the entire Quidditch team, he's like, yes. we totally could have won last year, but out of circumstances, yeah. out of our control, we had lost. <laughs> Yes. And so I want to see like a Brooklyn Nine-Nine style flashback. I love how they do their quick little flashbacks and just like a quick scene of like what Harry is shifting guiltily about and um, for like literally seconds and then coming back. Obviously, that will work well if it's the comedy show that I'm banking on that's not going to happen because it's going to be a Max show. But anyways, I uh, I wrote that down. So I have a flashback and a montage desire in this chapter. (laughs) Um, so for any listeners who like me are super tired today and don't really remember, what are they referring to? What did Harry do in the last book? Harry totally, uh, was fighting Lord Voldemort and got knocked out for a couple of days. So he couldn't even go. He wasn't even at the match. Nope. Gotcha. Got it. I'm with you now. (laughs) He was... He was unconscious in the hospital wing and they were down one person. And so they played with, I think they played with six people against. No uh, they can't, they can't win. <laughs> yeah. They probably had somebody playing seeker temporarily in order to try and get that, but they were defeated. Like apparently it's like the worst defeat in 300 years for Gryffindor. <laughs> By who, who beat them? Was it the Hufflepuff? Uh, I think it was. Either Ravenclaw or Hufflepuff. Right <laughs> it was either Ravenclaw or Hufflepuff because they faced Slytherin in the book and then they right. faced another team. I just can't remember who the second team was. It might have been Hufflepuff second and then Ravenclaw third. Okay. I'm I'm looking at the book right now to see if I can find it. I mean, I just, I really want to see like the whole scene where Harry is like, if Quidditch practice is going to be really boring to, to call in and like, they're oh. all irritated because it's like the crack of dawn that Oliver wants them to be practicing and stuff. Like, I, I just want to see all of that. Cause it's like, you know, it adds like that realism to the wizarding world of like, you know, <laughs> yeah, is making you get up super early and you're super annoyed, even though you're like living in this magical castle. Yeah. And I think we've discussed in the past too, that we just want more Quidditch in general. Like we did get yeah. Quidditch uniforms in this scene. But um, I mean, with having so much more time, there's just so much more opportunity to show Quidditch practice. Yeah. Yes. Like they were at the actual pitch. Like it would have been nice to see all this happening in the Quidditch pitch and not the courtyard plaza. Courtyard. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I was was thinking that too. I'm like, why are they converging in the courtyard? Like I wish it was the Quidditch mat, the Quidditch pitch, but. It would have made sense. Like even if it was like outside of the Quidditch pitch. Like, if they didn't want to do it inside and, like, not animate any of the brooms, which I would get budget-wise. Yeah, makes I know. Sense. 
But like yeah. courtyard, like them passing each other in the courtyard. Is that like that doesn't make any sense? Hogwarts is a multi connected domain in my head. Like how does those two Quidditch teams pass each other and hit each other in the courtyard on the way mm-hmm. to the Quidditch pitch? It doesn't make sense to me. Mm-hmm. Oh well. And um, in the films, we only see matches. Um, like yes, they're going to practice right now, but we don't see the practice. We only ever see them flying at matches, which again makes sense for the films and important things happen at the matches. But like we've said, we just want more day to day life, and that includes Quidditch practice. Yeah, those movies have yep. to rein in their CGI budget. <sighs> yeah, but Max doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I think also, I mean, CGI for sure is going to play a big part in it. Um, but I think that, you know, filmmakers are like, well, the the match is going to be what's the what the exciting thing is for the audience to watch. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah. I don't even really care that much about the matches. I, I think the like the day to day practice and stuff is almost more interesting than that. But with the show, of course, they'll have plenty more time to fit all that in. Mm-hmm. Definitely. I just <laughs> I'm scrolling down my notes and I saw another montage slash flashback that I wrote later on. Mm hmm. Do you want to get tell oh, us? I can't now? wait to get to that. Huh? No, no. Is now. it during detention or is it during this whole no. quidditch? No, it's after. Okay. Oh, okay. interesting. So, interesting. Um, we we don't even get to <laughs> practice because there's a whole <laughs> scuffle between Draco and Hermione and Harry and and Slytherin and Gryffindor and everything, and we are introduced to the blood slur of mudblood for the first time that is correct which also is connected to another muggle-born who i feel like we need to talk about a little bit more also i never realized how much crawling creevy has has in the book like maybe it's just because the movie like diminished his role in my mind but i mm-hmm. for completely forgot how how much he's like in the chapters like Mm -hmm. that whole conversation between him and harry about quidditch and him just like asking harry like hey harry what's this and this and this like wow goodness gracious like they totally undercut him way more than i thought they did like it he's just got such more of a prominent role in the books and the story and i think it's to fuel like the annoyance of Harry a little bit, like to kind of make it look like he's just constantly being badgered by this guy, which will kind of, I think, sell the reputation of him being the half-blood prince Mm. because all these people who are getting knocked out are somehow people that made Harry angry. Do you mean the heir of Slytherin, not the half-blood prince? No, sorry. Yeah, I meant the heir of Slytherin. Sorry. I don't know why I said the Half-Blood Prince, but I'm tired, too, if you couldn't tell. (laughs) Um, No, yeah. So, like, him being the heir of Slytherin makes a little, like, people's rumors have a little bit more truth to them because the people see how they react, like, how he's reacting to Colin and how he reacts to other people around him. And so when these people are getting petrified everyone's like who's saying oh it must be harry is because there's pretty valid like reason behind it a little bit 
to kind of say, oh, he's he's the one attacking him because these people made him angry and made him upset. Like, well, my goodness, like we should avoid him. It'll be interesting to see how the show goes into this because um, I see what you're saying. But then at the same time, his best friend is Mungleborn. So it's kind of like, why would he be best friends with Hermione Granger if he wanted to kill all the Mungleborns? Yeah. It's pretty, uh, pretty silly. <laughs> well, I mean, that's the whole purpose of rumors is room room. Anybody can believe anything with rumors. That's true. Yeah. No matter how absurd the story is, rumors don't have to make any sense for them to be damaging and for them to be spread around with Hogwarts and for people to talk about them. I I thought it was interesting that in the film, there wasn't much of a response when Draco said Mudblood. It was a little bit of a gasp, but it was just kind of like... Um, Besides Ron, really reacted. Kind of. Ron was like the yeah. really like the big one who got angry, and then everybody else was kind of like, oh. yeah. It kind of, I think the whole point was to make a big spectacle of him doing the eat slugs and backfiring, right. and not so much everybody's reaction until we get to Hagrid's hut, which I hope yeah. they they kind of change that in the show and make everybody's reactions, yeah, bigger. And Harry kind of being like. Why, why is everybody reacting? Right. Well, and Hermione didn't know what it meant either in the book. Mm-hmm. Um, and they changed that in the film, which I thought yeah, was... Yeah, they did. In, I mean, I think that they just wanted to give Hermione more of a, like, an emotional moment or whatever to make it seem like it would be more hurtful. But to me, it doesn't... I can understand that they wanted to do that. Like they wanted to give Emma Watson that opportunity to make it like more of a, an impactful thing for Hermione's character to like show her upset by talking with Hagrid. But then they took out the shock that other people have for the word mudblood. So it just made it look like Hermione was just like really upset about something that isn't that big of a deal. And so I, I don't, to me, it doesn't make sense that they would have like taken out one aspect of it and then added and changed something else because it just sort of, I don't know. It just doesn't really make sense to me. Um, But I think that that was also the early two thousands. And I think now the idea of a slur basically being used is going to be that's like, unfortunately a bigger deal now than it was back then. And so, you know, to, to try to stop that type of language. And so I think that they might be more that like would seem strange for them to take out the shock that somebody used a slur um, to kind of like diminish it. I don't know. I think that they would probably keep it in nowadays, but I, I don't know. Yeah. I really did love the scene though, between Emma Watson and Robbie Coltrane and they're acting together yeah. and, you know, with just yeah. Rupert Grant in the background throwing up slugs. <laughs> which i mean yeah so i it's interesting how they went with the path that they did because it as you're reading it you can tell like it's it's a very big deal the fact that hermione hasn't even heard this term as you know totally educated as she is and learning everything about the wizarding world the fact that she hasn't heard of it shows how much people are trying to make, like, mm-hmm. you know, trying to make a difference and be accepting of muggle borns and 
not, you know, not supporting or what's the word I'm looking for? Engaging, not engaging the word and like letting it kind of do its thing where it's kind of just spreading around They're They're actively being like, that's not a part of who we are as a society. And it's only like this small few people that are essentially, uh, are essentially kind of doing it. I don't know, but it, you can tell it's a big deal is what I'm trying to get at. It's like, it's a big mm-hmm. deal for everybody there. It's a big deal for like, even the Slytherins reacted in a way that was kind of just like, I don't think anybody was laughing. Marcus just jumped in front of Draco to make sure that Fred and George didn't like pumble the poor boy. But like, it doesn't say that Marcus was doing it because he agreed with Draco or anything. I'm sure like maybe the Slytherins were kind of a little surprised that Draco would have even used something like that. And so to take something that big and then muddle it down into an adaptation like it was and, and kind of not have the same reaction. Uh, I feel like it was kind of just, it, it kind of just brushes it under the rug almost. It takes the idea of what the whole chapter was about. And it takes the idea of yeah. what like that point of revealing that word was about because the whole point of the chamber of secrets is this basilisk going out to kill muggleborns. It's going out to kill those people that Slytherin always felt was unworthy of having magic and not being allowed at Hogwarts. And to brush it under the rug almost in this adaptation kind of does it an injustice because that was really the whole premise of what was going on. Uh, And we're not going to make a big deal out of it and just do it this way kind of makes it feel like they weren't maybe they weren't ready to tackle such a heavy subject or maybe they weren't um feeling like that maybe that subject was for the target audience i don't know what the reason would be but basically they felt like it wasn't the theme they wanted to focus on and that's what makes chamber of secrets feel like it wasn't given as much love as sorcerer's stone because uh they're taking away these themes that are really heavy in the book that make Chamber of Secrets the way that it is and and as enjoyable as it is. Something that I just was thinking about today. Any other thoughts on the Quidditch and the Mudblood before we move on to detention? Oh, what about Ron not having all of his lines? Ron Ron's lines were all given to Hagrid in the adaptation, but it was Ron who was actually saying it in the book. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that happens a lot. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> but to like to Ron, like I didn't mean Ron- it. I didn't mean it. <laughs> I didn't mean that. Like we shouldn't talk about it. I just meant like I know it happens all the time. We should talk no. about it. <laughs> yeah, but like that's what I'm saying. Though is like the Ron had a moment to be a really good character, maybe mm-hmm. explain something, have like something good come out of it. But then they go and give it to Hagrid, which I mean, like the scene played out really well, and I really like that scene, but. You're taking all of the good parts of Ron and right. giving it to other people mm-hmm. and leaving Ron with just the, with just the throwing up of slugs. Mm-hmm. Again, that's a, I, I think I said before, it's just, they watered his character down to just being comedic relief. Mm-hmm. Okay. And I lied when I 
I said that I didn't have anything more about this. Um, I I do wonder why there's no counter curse for the slug hex or curse or whatever. Oh, to like get rid of it? Yeah. Like to fix it? Yeah. Hmm. I mean, to me, that just seems really <laughs> pretty basic compared to the things that they they're all able to accomplish. I mean, maybe it's just that Hagrid and I mean, Hermione, you'd think that Hermione would know, but maybe it's just that Hagrid didn't know and the trio didn't know. And then they didn't want to notify another professor because Ron didn't want to get in trouble for trying to curse Malfoy. Because he's already in so much trouble as it is. <laughs> I don't know, but it just seems. I don't know, whatever. Um, I just thought, I mean, we already we've already kind of touched on the fact that no. OK, you know what? I'm actually going to save this as my peeve. <laughs> okay, Ooh, I'm interested interrupt now. because we talked last week about whether or not he said eat slugs this time because in the book which he didn't he didn't so I wonder if that's why there's no counter curse because they don't they, they probably have never seen this before who knows what happened with this or do you think he was really trying to make Draco eat slugs I mean, that might have been in his head as he, you know, you'll pay for this or whatever. And then he just in his head was like thinking of disgusting things. That can happen. Yeah. So that might be why there's no counter curse to it. They've never seen this before. They don't know what's happening. Does that help? <laughs> I mean, I, he, he definitely doesn't. So like the movie makes it feel like Eat Slugs was the incantation, but it's like. Right. In the book, it feels like it isn't. We just hear a big bang, but the blast hits Ron instead of Draco. He he's obviously trying to do a spell. But we just we just don't know what spell it was meant to be, and it just so well, happens to be slugs know. coming out of him. He's just angry, and like Meg said, he probably just has that insult um from the last chapter in his head and he's just so angry he's thinking of that insult he's thinking about cursing him and then all just he's about ready to curse him with something else but then all of a sudden the thought of eat slugs activates the wand and curses him with it backfires because his wand does something interesting in this chapter too where it, it flies out of his pocket i think it was it flies out of his pocket and hits phileas in the face like square in the eyes and gives him a great big green boil. We don't know what he was doing. We don't know what ha like what activated the wand, but that little tidbit tells us a little bit about the condition of the wand and like how it's just not just not acting the right way at all in any circumstance. Cuz like what is what is Ron doing that would leave a green boil in the middle of Flickwick's face? And have it shoot out of his pocket. That's the other thing. Is it shoots out of his pocket and hits him in the face. Not only would that be a really fun little like montage thing, but <laughs> but like the yeah, point. Really the point of is that his wand is going crazy. We don't know what it's doing. So it may not be functioning as a normal wand anymore because of it because because it's broken. It would be so fun to see a montage of all of this. Yes. Just see a little piece of wood, wood flying straight for Flickwick's face, and do like that little close up as the yeah. camera gets close to his face, and you're just like, mm -hmm. so many montage opportunities there. Another thing I want to see is um, like a, either a montage or a flashback. This is what I was saying a couple minutes ago when I had one later in the chapter. 
the trio asking Hagrid why he got expelled because in this chapter in like Harry's internal monologue it's they every time that they ask Hagrid about why he was expelled he um you know looks around and changes the subject really quickly or something like that and the way that she writes it in the book is really comical how they're imagining that playing out in a tv show is really comical if they did like a montage of them like continually asking him in like different scenes why he was expelled or something and like the the ways that he comes up with changing the subject or something something to do with that i thought would be funny yeah shouldn't have said that shouldn't have said that (laughs) all right are we ready to talk about detention with lockhart yes So in the film, we cut right to the detention as opposed to McGonagall telling Ron and Harry that they have their detentions and they're going into different directions. <laughs> and then we spend four hours with Lockhart signing fan mail. Which we do get a timeline now. It's been an entire week and they get their detention on Saturday. So it was a whole week before their attention was assigned. So maybe they just assigned detentions on Saturdays because they're living there 24-7. And so it's easy. instead of messing with class schedules, it's just yeah. easier to give them a detention on a weekend where everybody else is having fun, doing activities and hanging out, and everybody else is doing detention work. See, that makes sense to me. Yeah, why they would have it on a weekend. But then we get to the point where it's just like, why do you send them into the Forbidden Forest? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> These sound like normal detentions, and yet the first detention we ever experienced is like way out of this world. Go figure out why unicorns are dying, students that are 11 years old. <laughs> yeah. First year 11-year-old students who don't know anything about magic. <laughs> well, again, I like to think that they were like, okay – in their teacher's lounge, who has anything that we can use for detention? And Lockhart immediately is like, I am Harry. Yeah. That's like a a funny idea. That's a great idea. That would be hilarious to watch. Like a little spoof of that. Mm -hmm. Teachers all sitting in the lounge. All right. These students have detention. Who do you want to, uh, who do you want to take anybody? Make sure it's like, make sure it's like, grogging and like so that they can learn their lesson or whatever especially if it's like mcgonagall or some you know somebody who has to like organize all of it and she's just like sitting there like rubbing her forehead or like smoking mm-hmm. a cigarette and she's just like okay <laughs> somebody please yeah. take him i can just see gilderoy going like i must have harry potter yeah of course <laughs> what what will his punishment be oh he'll be signing my fan mail do you not get the point of detention, sir? Yeah. The other professors are like, yeah, that's the best punishment we could possibly think of. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Because we get Hagrid in this chapter showing his annoyance with Lockhart just as any other teacher does. Right. Last chapter was Professor Sprout. This chapter, it's Hagrid. I'm wondering if yeah. this theme is going to continue. If we see all of the professors just literally wanting to wring his neck, which I would find hilarious. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, and I'm remembering like a lot of instances to come. Uh, for example, I'm thinking of Madame Pomfrey being so upset with him for removing all the bones instead of healing the bones, and like, why didn't you just come to me first? Um. So there's going to be some good stuff ahead. But 
some not good stuff, Harry is hearing voices. Dun, dun, dun. What were your thoughts on how they portrayed the voice of the Basilisk? In the adaptation? I think it was good. Yeah, I have no qualms. I mean, I thought, I feel like that's pretty hard to... Oh, I'm so sorry. (laughs) (laughs) We do have an explicit rating. (laughs) 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 Your reaction was so great. I love that. I haven't said any of those words. That was the first F bomb. Congratulations. We made it into episode. Yeah. Not our first curse word, but yeah, I think it was our first F bomb. (laughs) It's like episode 26. Wow. First F bomb on episode 26. (laughs) I mean, listeners, correct us if we're wrong. (laughs) No, I mean, I've edited these, so I would remember. I'm sure Sharon is keeping them. She has it all written out. She does. She's our a great uh, data collector. She is the data collector. Anyways, I well, what were you saying? Fine. <laughs> yeah, that was, so, um, the, I guess the last thing to talk about here is the fact that they changed <laughs> Harry telling. Um, and we'll get into this in a little bit, but they they changed the ending of this chapter with Ron, um, Harry telling Ron in the dorms, whereas in the film. He tells Hermione and Ron, and we actually skip the next chapter entirely, and the end of that chapter is what we get in the film here. Um, so what are, you, what are we thinking, or should we save this for next week when we talk about the missing chapter? I think we should save it for next week. Missing chapter's got to have some screen time. Yeah. Okay. It's like well, 10 seconds so, long, but there you know. go, screen time. Well, yeah, so we... Um, so, I, you know, what are your thoughts about Harry telling Ron in the dorms instead of? I mean, it makes for it makes for a good like cliffhanger to end an episode on if if these chapters are being they're in like their individual episodes. Yeah, because I mean, so far they're these chapters have been pretty spaced out, two and far between to like have a lot be in them. It's kind of going to be hard to do an episode breakdown with fewer episodes than there are chapters because it's just there's so much to put into it at this point all right well i mean we've only been chatting for 30 minutes i know we still have to do our pleasure peeve and salute but any other final thoughts any lightning round meeks lightning round lightning um round. no because my little my little things are gonna be my peeps so it's gonna be a okay. lightning peeves round <laughs> whoa <laughs> all right lightning well, peeves round do you want to kick us off with your Peeves' pleasure? So my Peeves' pleasure is for the adaptation, the Hagrid and Hermione scene. Great acting. I had no idea they took the words straight out of Ron's mouth, which kind of annoys me. But you can't be upset at Robbie Coltrane and Emma Watson mm-hmm. and having that cute moment. It's just impossible. It's just one of those moments where it's just like, you remember you remember those scenes a lot more than other scenes from movies is because it was really well acted it was re- the score was really well done mm-hmm. the the mood was the mood and the direction was was done in a way that it makes it kind of leave an impression on you and 
you just kind of feel that warmth inside of like, oh, these are characters are so awesome and I love them. So I really think, you know, as flawed as the whole adaptation is in general of taking it from book to movie was it was executed well to the point that it's a really, really memorable scene for the movie. Mm-hmm. Well, that's mine too. <laughs> the the way that um the two of them acted with each other, I thought that that scene was really sweet. Well, that's mine too. <laughs> I see how it is. You guys are just gonna like take mine. I fine, whatever. <laughs> I mean, take a look at my notes. <laughs> All right. Well, then, um, James, what is your or should we go in reverse order this time? No, go ahead. And I'm, I'm ready to do my peeves. My peeves is not having enough Colin Creevy in the movie. <laughs> that was mine. OK, well, I'll say something different then. Um, OK. Oh, peeves lightning round. OK. I... Here we go really don't like how they took out all of the really funny little moments in the um the scene in Hagrid's hut like the treacle fudge getting um cementing uh Harry's mouth together <laughs> like we that happens in like every book and we still have yet to see it um and and Hagrid joking with Harry about how Harry was being asked to sign photos for um like mm. you know uh do his signature or whatever on photos. Um, and uh, <laughs> and then when he's like, oh, I'm just joking with you, Harry. And he pats him on the back and sends him crashing into the table. <laughs> Which again, <laughs> something like that happens in every book because Hagrid's so strong and he forgets. And they take it out of the film. And that's so funny. <laughs> and um, and so that's my peeve is those little those little moments like there are so many times in those types of scenes where I'm just like giggling to myself and then I'm like oh this would be so funny if they translated it it onto the screen so hopefully hopefully they keep all of those in for the tv show the end well I loved it all right and again mine is cutting Colin so salute James who or what when why where are you saluting today so, in the unofficial guide, I read, I read the like the the summary of the chapter and stuff, and they talked a lot about how this chapter is like representing heroics in a good way and in a bad way, and how, um, like how it like what it means to be a hero, I guess, quote unquote. I don't necessarily know. I don't necessarily. It's hard for me to like take what was what I read into the chapter and put it into words. But they had mentioned how uh, Harry was being idolized as a hero, but Harry wasn't really doing anything heroic. Harry was kind of just doing his everyday thing. He didn't plan on doing anything great. He wasn't doing anything great. He literally got woken up for Quidditch practice, went to Quidditch practice, was told to go to to detention, went to detention, was with Lockhart the entire time, went to bed because Lockhart told him to go to bed. He didn't have any time for himself, really. He was kind of just sent to and fro from one place to another. 
by all these other people. And yet Colin was going around and saying, Hey, like, Oh, you like he, Colin really doesn't know Harry on a personal level. He just knows Harry for what he's done. And he sees Harry as this heroic figure that has done heroic things, even though what Harry's doing isn't really heroic at all. It's just his normal day to day thing. Not to say that Harry isn't heroic because Harry has his, he's the main protagonist. Of course, he's going to be doing stuff like that, but it's just, it shows that he was being idolized for something that necessarily wasn't all that great. And then you have Lucius Malfoy coming in and being a hero to the Slytherin team by buying them all new brooms because he wants them to succeed. But really, anybody can tell it's just a bribe to get his son on the team and to get his, to, to get his son to play Seeker. And if he, if he wasn't going to be playing Seeker, they probably wouldn't have gotten these new brooms from him. Um, but yet the Slytherin team idolizes him and says, Oh, he's so awesome. He really likes is supporting us because he went out and did this thing for them. Uh, and then, you know, the self heroism, the Lockhart engages, they talked about that with him going and telling Hagrid what to do to get, the Kelpies out of the well and being like, Hey, like, this is what you do, Hagrid. But like Hagrid very well knows what to do. And he's, he's, it, he's not asking for help. He very much doesn't need the help. And yet here is Lockhart saying, oh, you need my help. I'm here to save you. Uh, that kind of stuff. And so it's taking all these little heroic moments that people think are heroism, but they really aren't. And then comparing it to the true hero of the chapter, which is Ron, who when he hears a slur being said to his one of his best friends, doesn't even question it, doesn't even think about it. He just immediately jumps to the rescue and is going to do this thing. And yeah, it backfires, but he he didn't have a second thought of it. And then he goes in and he explains calmly what it meant and why he did what he did and why it's disgusting that Malfoy would even say such a thing to Hermione and Ron in Hagrid's hut, I mean, sorry, to Harry and Harry and Hermione in Hagrid's hut. And Ron is, you know, explaining explicitly why it's not something that it is, why it's not something that should be said. And nobody asked him to do that. Nobody told him that he needed to do that. He's never been taught that. He just knew it was the right thing to do. And he did it anyways, because Hermione wouldn't have blinked an eye. She would have felt probably she probably would have felt like, oh, that wasn't a nice word. But she didn't know what was being said. She didn't know that she was being attacked in a way that is terrible. And we we see it all the time. We have it all the time happening. Those kinds of things are hurtful to people. And those kinds of things are, are can be negatively impact on people's lives. And yet, even though someone didn't know that that could happen, somebody still stood up for them without having to be asked or without having the expectation to do so. He just did it anyways because it was the right thing to do. Uh compare that to everybody else in the everybody else in the scene. Everybody else was like, hey, that's not nice. Hey, you don't do that or how dare you? Fred and George was gonna like pumble the poor kid. But Ron was the one that that showed the that showed the true heroism of the chapter and I thought that was pretty cool. So I'm saluting that. Yeah, I like that. That's a really good way of breaking all that down. And yeah, he is total. Ron definitely, um, it, you know, he's not thought of as the hero because, you know, he's overshadowed by Harry, which Harry mm -hmm. does lots of heroic things, you know, but um, we don't, as readers, think about 
Ron being the one who's the hero in situations. And he... He always is. This is the second time that he has like a super heroic quality. Mm-hmm. First time was the chess match. Second time is is this moment right here. And he's yeah. going to have more. Mm-hmm. And so I really want him to be one of those characters in the TV show that gets a very good adaptation out of this TV show. Like he needs to be the one that mm-hmm. out of the trio, he needs to be the one that has the most change compared from movie to TV show. He needs to be the one that stands out the most and has these moments from the book and has these moments that make him who he is because they gave a lot of attention to Harry and Hermione more Harry than Hermione, but it, they still gave attention to Hermione and then they made Ron the joke. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, it was funny. It was, it, it's, it's okay. Rupert Grint did a great job. I totally see him as Ron Weasley. It's really hard to not see him as Ron Weasley, but when you compare him to the Ron in the books, it's kind of sad to see that he didn't get the opportunity to shine like the rest of them. And he needs that. He needs those moments. He needs to stand out. He needs to contribute to this three person friendship because he's not the third wheel. He's not the person just being dragged along on the adventure because Harry and Hermione have these ideas. It's he's contributing just as much as they are and he needs to be recognized for it. So Mm -hmm. I like it. Agreed. Justice for Ron. <laughs> yes. Oh, I forgot to mention um, last episode too. Justice for Errol. When yeah. <laughs> he like in the movie delivering the, slams the into the breakfast yeah. table <laughs> and looks around and like slams into a bunch of food and they're all just like, oh, oh brother, there's Errol again. Oh brother, it's like that is an animal that is sickly and elderly and cannot handle this anymore and you're just needs to be retired please let him retire him (laughs) can't believe it they they take out the denoming scene Peta takes out the denoming scene but keeps in errol smashing into metal canisters of food all over a table and everyone's just laughing at him like oh goodness look at that silly old owl that can't do it anymore justice for errol i love it um my pleasure or no my (laughs) i'm so tired all of a sudden all all of us are pretty pooped yeah um your weasley salute my salute i I think i should have switched around my pleasure and my salute but whatever um my salute is ron's uh rupert grant's acting (laughs) during the slug scene yeah when he's in Hagrid's hut it's so funny it's so believable I found a tidbit saying that he enjoyed filming that scene. That was his favorite scene. Isn't there, like, isn't he, didn't I feel like the, (laughs) I don't remember if it's this or something else, but something tasted good when they were filming. It was the slugs. That was the tidbit. He enjoyed it because he had to put the slugs in his mouth and they put like flavors like lemon and peppermint. And it was like candied slugs. And so when he was ready to spit it out for the scene, like for the filming, he would just go, but like he would put it in his mouth and it tasted good and he enjoyed it. And for some reason, (laughs) he said that was one of the, one of the favorite scenes he's ever filmed for the Harry Potter series. 
That's so funny. So that's why maybe it's so good is because he enjoyed it so much. (laughs) It is funny to see him in the background just throwing up slugs. Um, But my salute is Robbie Coltrane and his acting. And um, just really sad that he's no longer with us because it was just such a touching moment. Yeah. Not much you can say after that. Yeah. (laughs) Well, thank you for causing havoc with us today. (laughs) Next time we will be discussing chapter eight. The Death Day Party. And this is Moments None from the film. James, where can people find you? Well, I mean, is it Mrs. Norris revealed at the Death Day Party? So it's kind of like 10 seconds, maybe? Right, but we we discussed just putting that in the next chapter, the following chapter. Okay, yeah. I can be found at James M. Beltran on TikTok and Instagram. (laughs) If if anybody cares to check me out. Don't have a lot on TikTok right now, but equally don't have a lot on Instagram. You just follow me for my little weird posts that I post every once in a while. It's fine. You're really reeling us in there. (laughs) (laughs) You can find me um, mainly on Instagram at Megan, M-E-G-A-N underscore Lachowski, L-A-C-H-O-W-S-K-I. And from there, you can find all my other projects. And you can find me, Sarah Day on Instagram at captain.mcd and you can find my other projects linked there as well. Follow the podcast on Instagram and TikTok at Pieces Gapfest. Igleversities, don't forget to subscribe to this podcast wherever you listen and leave a five-star review. If you're as mischievous as we are, please consider joining our Patreon at www.patreon.com slash Pieces Gapfest. If you have any feedback, leave us a voicemail at 409-422-3378. That's 409-GABFEST. Or you can email us at PewsesGabFest at gmail.com. Also, come join the discussion in our Facebook group. We have a lot of fun over there at Facebook.com slash groups slash Until next time, Mickle Firsties. <laughs>